time to roll up those joints, pack those bowls, and fire up those nails. Because you're listening to Blazin' with Bobby Black on Cannabis Radio. What's up, Stonerverse, and welcome to another edition of Blazin'. As always, I'm your host, Bobby Black. We got a great show for you this week. We're going to be talking about medicinal plants uh, and uh, visionary healing uh, with my good friend Eddie Funksta of Native Healing Oils. Uh, that's going to be coming up in a little while. But first, as always, we're going to start off with some of this week's headiest headlines on a segment we call The Burndown. Burning through the smoke and mirrors of the news headlines. This is the Burndown. All right. And uh, on the Burndown this week, first up, we have uh, a study at the University of Connecticut found that cannabis and chili peppers both help calm the gut and may be used to develop treatments for type 1 diabetes and colitis. Uh, mice that were fed both chili peppers and cannabis by scientists showed less inflammation in their gut. Uh, researchers even found they were able to reverse type 1 diabetes in some of the mice by feeding them the fiery pepper. Uh, when eaten, both of the uh, both the cannabis and the pepper interact with the same receptors in our stomachs. So when the chili bound itself to the receptor, it created the compound called anandamide, which uh, that causes the immune system of the mice to calm down and reduces inflammation. Anandamide is chemically very similar in structure to cannabinoids, which explains why can, uh, smoking cannabis has been known for ages to help settle upset stomachs. Uh, next up in Colorado, uh, according to a report in Marijuana Business Daily, uh, combined sales of medical and recreational marijuana in Colorado in just the first two months of 2017 topped over $235 million, which is a 30% increase from the same period last year. A fact that's particularly noteworthy considering that the wholesale marijuana prices are at historic lows in the region, meaning that consumption has increased by that much more. Experts uh, believe that some of the consumption may be due to out-of-state visitors illegally padding their head stashes over fears of a Trump administration crackdown that might be right around the corner. However, those fears may prove to be unfounded, as Colorado's House voted overwhelmingly on Wednesday to bar public employees from assisting federal agents in, quote, arresting a Colorado citizen for committing an act that is a Colorado constitutional right, which would, in effect, prohibit the state's law enforcement from participating in any potential federal crackdowns. While the bill doesn't specifically mention marijuana, it is undoubtedly inspired by the vague threats emanating from the uh, Jeff Sessions Justice Department and the Trump administration. California lawmakers are reportedly considering a similar bill. Also in California, uh, Governor Jerry Brown's administration released a draft of a new medical marijuana regulations, uh, beginning the process to try to merge the rules for medical pot with the regulations for the recreational pot that have already been approved by voters last November. The new rules include uh, requiring applicants for licenses to grow, transport, and sell marijuana for medical use, to get a license from the State uh, Bureau of Medical Cannabis Regulation and undergo a background check. Uh, dispensaries would be required to use a track and trace system similar to the one used in Colorado to monitor sales. Uh, people who are transporting cannabis between farms and dispensaries must be 21 and older and cannot own the cannabis that they're transporting. Um, and also edibles will be required to be sold in child-resistant, opaque packaging and have no more than 10 milligrams of THC per serving. Again, similar to Colorado. All these are pretty uh, standard, straightforward kind of regulations that you would expect to see as the government begins to uh, figure out how to try to regulate this market. And now over to Nevada, where uh, last week we, re we reported that measures in – actually, last week – I'm sorry. Can you cut that out later? Um <clears throat> Last week, we reported that measures in Colorado and Alaska that would legalize cannabis consumption in licensed clubs had been voted down or delayed. But now, a similar bill to permit marijuana social clubs has passed in the Nevada State Senate and is moving on to the Assembly. The state's current legalization law that took effect on January 1st allows the purchase of up to one ounce by adults, but only allows consumption in private residences, which is not particularly helpful for the huge Las Vegas tourism industry. If the bill does pass into law, Clark County is expected to allow pot lounges to open right on the strip. That should be fun, <laughs> as if Vegas didn't have enough uh, vice uh, going on already, right? 
but that'll be fun. Uh, you know, I'd rather be around a bunch of people who are high on weed uh, than than drunk anyway, right? Um, and another follow-up to last week, uh, Iowa Governor Terry Branstad said Monday that he will likely sign into law the legislation that would expand access to medical cannabis for seriously ill Iowans authorizing two operations to grow marijuana and process CBD oil to be distributed in five state-approved dispensaries, as well as allowing doctors to prescribe CBD oil to treat 15 different chronic conditions. Once signed, the law is predicted to take up to 18 months to get up and running, until which time uh, qualifying patients would still have to obtain the CBD oil from out-of-state and hence illegal sources. And now it's over to Switzerland, the land of chocolate and cheese, where for the second time in a decade, a new initiative to legalize weed has been introduced. If adopted, it would legalize production and consumption for personal use and tax and regulate its sale. A similar referendum in 2008 failed, but since that proposal did not allow for the taxation of the herb, proponents are hopeful that they can get it passed this time. I mean, obviously, uh, you know, if you're trying to get something like this passed, if, if experience tells us anything here in the U.S., you're going to want to tax it so that the government is seeing some benefit from it. Otherwise, uh, you know, they, they might be hesitant to do something like that. You know, and it's probably a good thing to tax it and give some of that money back uh, into the community. And that's going to wrap it up for the burndown this week. Uh, stick around because coming up next, we are going to be talking to our guest. Uh, he is the owner of Native Healing Oils and a visionary plant expert, Mr. Eddie Funksta. So we'll be right back with more from Blazin. You're listening to Blazin with Bobby Black on Cannabis Radio. Hi, I'm Montel Williams. Most of you know me as a talk show host, but I'm also an author, actor, single father of four, avid snowboarder, and I'm also a medical marijuana patient. Living with multiple sclerosis, I'm in pain every day. Medical marijuana is my last resort, and it helps me when all other drugs have failed. If you'd like more information about medical marijuana, you can contact the Marijuana Policy Project at mpp.org or call 1-877-JOIN-MPP. Are you disturbed by the prescription medication commercials on television and their endless list of side effects? They go on and on and you end up having to take multiple pills to counteract the problems caused by the first pill. It never ends. Have you looked into CBD as a more natural option? At Saturn Ranch, we produce all-natural CBD topicals and THC-infused edibles. Premium lab-tested hemp-derived CBD is the most important ingredient in our products. From topical bombs, salt scrubs, bath-soaking salts to tinctures and edibles, you're sure to find something to help. Family-owned and operated, we at Saturn Ranch believe in and use our products daily. Don't put anything on your body that you wouldn't put in your body. SaturnRanch.com The next generation of vaporizers has arrived. Vuber vaporizers are blazing the way with unparalleled technology for oil, concentrate, or dry flower pens. Providing unsurpassed customer service and expert craftsmanship, Vuber vaporizers use cutting-edge technology, providing a power-packed, smoother vapor with a lifetime guarantee. Experience vaporizing the way it was meant to be, the Vuber way. All right, and welcome back to Blazin. My guest this week is the owner and proprietor of Native Healing Oils. He's also an ambassador and press liaison for the Chalice event in Southern California. Please join me in welcoming to the show, Eddie Funksta. What's up, Eddie? Hey, how's it going, everybody? How's it going, Bobby? Thanks for having me here. Thanks for being here. So um, tell us a little about your company. Native Healing Oils. We've been friends for years now, and uh, but this company hasn't been around since as long as I've known you. It's it's a more recent occurrence. Yes, uh, recently, just uh, since I got back from Washington, setting up a legalization with the company I was there working with for a while. Uh, I came back and I seen there was a major gap in the medicinal side of of cannabis. You know, we have the flowers, tons of dabs, vape pens, topicals. We had a lot of these things, but what I felt like we were missing was some of the pieces that I was making for personal people. I've been helping patients in hospice and going into ICU, critical care units and hospitals, helping patients that have been in that. That's been what I've been doing for almost the last 20 years solid. So I've, I knew that there was a couple of medications that were missing. Uh, Rick Simpson oil or, you know, Phoenix Tears, that's how we know it, so I call it, um, was not 
being produced down here on a scale that was needed. And I felt like a lot of people had this major gap. And I also I know Rick Simpson somewhat. And so he, I knew that he was really upset with uh, people calling the product RSO. I didn't want to call it RSO. I don't work for Phoenix Tears. I'm not Rick Simpson. So one of my slogans is NHO because I'm not Rick Simpson. <laughs> you know, I'll stand behind the products I made. I've been published in many books with Ed Rosenthal and uh, his growers books, uh, how to grow weed books, big book of buds for, I've been in these magazines books uh, for many years. So I figured, Hey, I've, I'm kind of known for making plants. Why don't I make my own medicines and stand behind my product from genetics to processes to making products like the NHO full plant extract syringe that we offer. And then we make that into like can of caps for low dose. People can't handle 500 milligrams or a thousand milligrams of the NHO syringe. So we microdose it into coconut oil, avocado oil, or grapeseed oil to 5 milligrams THC to 50 milligrams THC. It's I'm not trying to make a product to get people loaded. I'm trying to get people comfortable with their situation, relieve some ailments, and get them back into communicating with their loved ones around them or even with themselves and getting back into touch with their bodies. And that's what some of the products that we make. Well, what are the different uh, delivery methods that you have? I know you have uh, like a syringe full of oil, and I know that you also do suppositories actually. Yes, the suppositories are respectfully named uh, the rectal ones option two, so that when patients go into collectives, they can actually not ask for a suppository and get the whole giggle and point and laugh like, oh, you're going to put something in your butt? I have a lot of liver cancer patients, renal failure patients, patients that are on feeding tubes. Uh, they cannot consume cannabis with edibles. They can't smoke a vape pen. You can't bring a joint into a hospital with oxygen. And so people needed another form of saturation of cannabinoids. And so I worked with a gentleman in Washington named Fumo. He's a produces a, a pipe and he's a Fumo brand and he's very well known in the, the Mexican community. He's been on like Telemundo doing a lot of activism for the medical, uh, the Mexican side of, of our activism. And he got liver cancer, unfortunately passed away a little over a year ago. I think it's been almost two years ago. Yeah, now. I remember. I remember. I, I liked Fumo a lot. Yeah. Great friend of mine. And he taught me how these suppositories worked from a lot. I was giving them at the time we were calling it RSO in Washington and he was taking the product and he was breaking it down more and making it into suppositories because he said his liver couldn't process it. This taught me a lot. I cared for Fumo. I understood him. I, I knew that the healing that I was doing with this plant needed to take another step. He was that step. He showed it to us. My wife really got into it and was like, yes, this is very well needed. We found out that one in every three Americans suffer or pretty much adults suffer from hemorrhoids. So I was like, wow, well, if hemorrhoids and all these problems are happening, well, can we add support directly to that area and relieve people? I met a guy that's had hemorrhoids tremendously for a lot of years and he was so irritated, angry, nothing, everything was so terrible for this guy because he couldn't sit down right, couldn't have a good meal, couldn't, didn't want to eat because he didn't want to go to the restroom. It, it was terrible offering these suppositories and making them and him being able to ask for an option too. The guy's been doing great. He's been doing so much better. His hemorrhoids are down. His mood and relaxation is better. His wife said he's not so mood swinging angry. And so we knew that this was a product that was very well needed. It's not about getting high, even though you get 80% of saturation through the rectum, you only get 26 to 32% smoking cannabis, taking dabs. It's only 32% efficient. Taking edibles is a little bit more. Yeah, topicals are three to six percent. So if you need cannabinoids in your body to relieve yourself from cancers, ailments, a wasting syndrome, AIDS, you need actually a heavy saturation of cannabinoids. And once that happens, you start seeing the healing. They get the rest. They start building nutrition. They can use the restroom. I've helped people ulcerative colitis, Crohn's disease, uh, spine problems, uh, hip pain. Uh, we've we've had to deal with quite a few people with pain in that area that needed support directly in the southern part of the human body, which is hard to regulate when you're taking an edible or you're smoking dabs or you're smoking a joint. It's hard to dose yourself to relieve those areas. So we came up with option two for the rectum. My wife actually is the one that's been creating these. And so uh, her whole vision was making a suppository for women, which we call option V. And that's, uh, she's had a hysterectomy. We really felt like uh, we went through the whirlwind of it. She's only 37 years old today, and she's, we've had the hysterectomy. We've been dealing with it for over about six to seven years now. We have three sons. Um, I do believe in creation and the whole life cycle, and women carry that. So I felt like it was really important for us to have support in that area for endometriosis, which is the bleeding of the uterus and can cause you know low iron, and they have to get iron transfusions, and you know they they're at low energy, and your, your mother's not there anymore because she's bleeding out of her body, which we believe comes from birth control and all these other crazy methods they do to control population. 
they're killing the wound in that area. And there's really not many supportive treatments for that. So we felt like, hey, let's make a suppository for the women. Uh, we make a one-to-one option with, with option two and option V, which is one-to-one 25 milligram CBD THC. Uh, and then we offer a CBD-only vaginal suppository because we had friends where their daughters were you know, 15, 16, having heavy menstrual cycles. And they didn't want their daughters being high. They wanted their daughters to have relief, go back on cheerleading squad, go back and having function with their family. And that made a lot of sense to me because I come from a heavily broken home with not a lot of family caring. And I have my sons now, my wife, and we're a very loving family. And I would hate to have my kids being sick. Or when I go help these sick people and there's no support, relief, understanding, or even respect about the products. You know, calling them suppositories really gets the giggles going. Yeah. You know, it's it's funny you mentioned that because uh, many years ago in Amsterdam, Danny Danko and I, you know, we would go over to Amsterdam and we, we would like to have fun and we would drink our Heinekens and get high and, and we would kind of imitate and make fun of the Dutch accent a little bit, you know, good, good naturedly. Mm-hmm. And because uh, <laughs> yeah. we, we love the Dutch and everything. But we, we one year we came up with this funny thing where we were like high up the com and we were – and this wasn't a thing back then. There was no cannabis suppositories. We, we came up with this concept and we thought of it as like a joke. Like we were making jokes, oh, high up the com and, you know, it's a new thing and you put the weed up your butt. And we laughed, made ourselves crack up over it and we were like telling people. And little did we realize that – like this would really happen and it actually – it's not a joke. It's actually a very effective and, and very serious thing. But uh, it just – you know, it does it does make you chuckle when you first hear it. But that's OK as long as you can separate that. You know, It's OK to have the chuckle but it's also – you have to acknowledge that there's a, a legitimate and a serious side to it and that some people really are suffering and they need this. Yep. Definitely. And that's what I've just tried to do. I have a lot of people that come up and they crack jokes and they point at them and they call them butt bullets and all these things. And it's it's pretty funny. But then when you hit them with uh, – I'm not trying to hit anybody with anything. I'm just trying to be respectful and, and not laugh about a product that I produce because even though they're joking, once I tell them the reality of liver cancer patients and renal failure and, and these problems, they kind of wake up because a lot of them have dealt with it in their life. Either an uncle, an aunt, a cousin, a mom, a dad, you know, a friend has suffered or passed or they've heard of the stories of this and they've heard how terrible those people pass away. And so in that that stops the laughs it stops the jokes it stops the pointing because in the end when you're sick and you're dying there's not many things that are funny so if i put this inside of you and you can laugh maybe we can laugh that we put that inside of you but at the meantime let's get it into you let's get some reality back and and those people might need that laughter they need the laughter as much as they need the the suppository they sure do (laughs) um so you got the oil in the syringe you got the suppositories anything else uh Uh, yeah we have uh the candy caps which are made with coconut oil avocado oil or grapeseed oil uh some people don't like coconut oil some people don't like avocado oil i I met a lady yesterday that's allergic to avocados so it was you know it made a lot of sense that i had that on the package and and she was like well thank you for you know noting that on there because there's a lot of products I just don't know what's in them. And in my packaging, I leave all the information there for people to you know, understand that we're using the most natural sources with zero preservatives. We don't use any preservatives in our products. And we try to make everything as natural as, as can be. You know. And tell us about where the cannabis is sourced from. Uh, we have a couple of ranches that we grow. Thunder Ranch Collective is our main ranch. Uh, we also work with Anodyne Farms, Andamide Farms. Um, and they produce uh, some great organic cannabis, not, not sprayed with any pesticides, no plant growth regulators. Uh, they don't use bottle nutrients. We bubble teas. We use good reverse osmosis water. Um, some of them are in greenhouse. Most of the stuff that we use for these products are greenhouse and outdoor plants. I don't really try to focus on indoor plants because I feel like the more natural we can grow the plants, the more cannabinoids and other products and chemicals that we don't have names for yet you know they have thcv thca they have all these label things but in the test results there's this noise in there that they don't have labels for these chemical compounds that are in there and we see them more when we use outdoor and greenhouse products than we do when we use like indoor products i think it's the supplemental lighting you know yeah, and those those farms are here in, in Southern California, right? Yes, Southern California is the, the main focus. We do have a couple of farms in Humboldt and Mendocino County, but a lot of those products, you know, those are flowers and shatters, and we do make a topical rub out of most of that stuff. Um, it's just a different product. I want to use their products in their region. I use our products here in our region. It's I know we can grow enough for the whole state, but it's not really possible. There's these products don't stay on the shelf. So our farms that we produce our, our product with, we if we can pump them with plant growth regulators, we could probably get a more yield and make more products and, and do that. But to be honest, it, we, we like the low scale. We like to be able to uh, keep the plants in, in good, healthy conditions. I can only make it to Mendo and Humboldt every few months now. So 
those productions up there. They're slowly getting on course, but our main focus is here in Southern California. They do replicate our growing systems in the north, but it's a different environment. There's a lot more moisture. It's a little bit more cleaner environment. Down here, it's a little rough. We have the heavy desert, a lot of dirt, sand, and uh, a lot of uh, different impurities that float around, you know, smog and stuff. So we also live here, so we mostly focus on the gardens here. But we do have some up north that we definitely... Uh, eventually, we'll start making products in the northern regions with there. So we're bringing NHO to the northern counties. Cool. I want to take a short break, but we'll be right back with more from Eddie Funksta. So stick around. All right. And we are back here on Blazin with our guest this week, Eddie Funksta of Native Healing Oils. And uh, one, you know, one of the things I, I forgot to mention when I introduced you at the beginning of the show is that you are also, uh, aside from just producing medical cannabis products, you're best known for your visionary plant knowledge and medicine. Uh, you've written you know, articles about this for numerous uh, magazines. Uh, I know that you're quite the uh, cactus aficionado. Tell us a little about your experience uh, and how you got involved with uh, with healing plants. Uh, yeah, thanks. Cactuses are my, my fun thing. You know, I love those things a lot. I really got into them. I, I really got into them when I was in Washington. It's a really good psychedelics community up there, really good uh, open-minded community in the Pacific Northwest. I give tremendous respect to the research that happens up there. I've found, uh, living in the rainforest, I fell into mushrooms, started finding mushrooms and learning about mushrooms, medicinal mushrooms, psychedelic mushrooms, the deadly mushrooms. I had to figure them all out. So I learned that, and then uh, being in the rainforest, I kind of just missed my native plants. And, you know, one day I was walking around Home Depot, and I was like, man, that's a, it's a cool little cactus they used to just grow in my neighborhood in SoCal. So let me pick one up and just keep it in my house. And so I brought it in there. Some of the research that I started doing, I did a, a topic in high school. In the 10th grade, I had to write a controversial article about something. I wrote about shamans and medicinal mushrooms and our psychedelic mushrooms. I mean, I was 15. And so in that article, they kept talking about San Pedro, San Pedro, San Pedro. And I just always pushed it away. I never really cared. And then uh, I was like, yeah, these plants, cactuses grow all over the neighborhood. There's nothing crazy about those. So the more I kind of got into it with the mushrooms and stuff, the more everything started to make sense. My shamans came from Mexico and they started explaining to me the medicinal values of, you know, visionary healing. That's what I call things. And that's, you know, with cannabis, we've been curing cancers and AIDS and wasting syndrome, multiple sclerosis, fibromyalgia, uh, ALS. We've helped with a lot of these disorders and give people relief. Well, one thing we haven't been able to do was to wipe away the mind and cure the PTSD that people get when, you know, I have a lady that's uh, 62 years old. She was a beauty queen. She had breast cancer. She had double mastectomy. She's lost all of her hair and she's lost six or seven of her front teeth. And when she walks by the mirror now, she freaks out because she thinks there's a stranger in her house. You know, this lady was a beauty queen. She'd have guys at her door every day buying her roses and flowers and throwing them lives at her. And her PTSD, the cannabis helped her, you know, beat her to her cancers and her tumors, but her brain was still locked and she's a mutant. She's a society that doesn't want to see her no more. She's not this beauty. She's not pretty on the eyes anymore. And she was just stuck in this heavy, angry, turmoil place. And we're able to go in there and help her with, you know, a couple of tryptamines that grow from plants or came from animals. And learning that just was very powerful to me, that knowing that Western medicine tries to make a chemical for all of our ailments. They have Viagra for uh, heart problems, which we found out the side effects. and Everybody takes it. They come up with Cialis and, and all these other medications to control with cholesterol. Instead of teaching us that the human body is resilient, you know, you don't need to work out an hour a day in a gym to be healthy. You can actually go hiking in the hills or work in your garden or, you know, grow plants that are healthy for you. And instead of going to the grocery store where preservatives are, are at to keep profits going and, and keep us in the hospitals and keep us in, in the doctor's offices and stuff. And so, the shamans came and they just blasted this heavy knowledge of earth on me and spirituality, not religion. I was raised Catholic and Christian and, you know, I do believe in God. I do believe in some of these crazy things. Uh, but I do understand that in all in all, we're from creation and that we came from these and plants brought me that information. You know, what, how did we learn that a psychotria of Viridius and uh, Bristephius capia is what the two plants you put together to make ayahuasca? You know, how did these people figure this out in the jungles of the rainforest with no allegedly technology? These plants grow there. They figured out two plants. You cover one's a vine, one's a leaf. You put them together in a, in a brew and you get carried away by the spirit world. And it kisses you on your forehead and it tells you you're not a piece of shit. What society tells you to be a, a, a career and to have the big house and to have the Bentley in your driveway. That doesn't mean you're successful for shit. We die with nothing. I died and I was a ball of energy and I flew into the stars. And it wasn't 
my bank account carrying me. It wasn't a Cadillac driving me there. It was my personal compassion in my heart and plants are what brought that to me. They, they opened my mind up to that. They showed me that the last American witch hunt is plants. They're afraid of it. Cannabis, mushrooms, cactus, uh, any, any plant that alters your state of consciousness has been seemed illegal or detrimental on society, which in reality is what's actually created society has brought people together, has built civilizations. And that's what blew my mind away about them. And cactuses are in there, 3,500 years old. They, they live with the cutting. You can transport them all over the place there. And not everyone is medicinally high in value. So it's, it's like cannabis. You have some strains that are really good, like OG Kush, Sour Diesel. And the cactus world, those, those are also there. Also, But it's finding them. And it takes 20 years to get them healthy and strong. And it's not like you're just going to go down the street, cut a plant. The, the ones that you see on the streets at this sold at Home Depot, those have already been tested of very, very to zero alkaloids. So they're people going out and cutting your front yard from your neighbor's San Pedro, you're not going to have an entheogenic trip. Plus, you shit yourself, you throw up all over yourself. You're not, you're not really, you know, smoking weed with your friends, laughing at the TV show. Yeah, I mean, I, I've had my share of, uh, I've had a few uh, pretty profound psychedelic experiences in my life. Um, I've never actually tried uh, peyote. Uh, or, or cactus, uh, but I've done lots of mushrooms and some some good LSD uh, and, and some other things. But I've had some very profound revelations and, and and experiences like you're talking about. But how do you? And this is a this is something that's come up over and over again over the years when I tell people about things like this. What do you say to people who say? Those are hallucinations. That's not real. You know, yeah, you, you feels great. You're on cloud nine or whatever, but it's not real. It's fake. It's, it's tricking your mind. And, well, you know, how can you put credence in that being more real than the real world? The way I can uh, counteract that argument is that uh, everything communicates. We've been given a voice, a tongue. We communicate with our voice and sound and hand movements. There's communication in the animal world. Dogs bark, cats meow. Uh, what's the plant world's communication? We don't know it. We don't understand it. We don't think there's communication. There's tons of research that show that plants communicate with each other, and we're part of plants. We we are. We're we're living beings. We're stewards of the earth. We're supposed to manage the gardens of this planet, and that that was our our initial job being placed here. I'm not going to go into the religious part of Adam and Eve. I'm going to go into who we are from the stars being dropped here on earth and and keeping this place as what it is. It's a cherished piece of, of the planet on, on, on this earth. And so how do we connect in all of its dimensions? We walk in the third dimension is what they call it, supposedly, allegedly. Your third eye, the pineal gland, opens us to us to the spiritual dimension. The only way to get into the spiritual dimension, unfortunately, with fluoride and preservatives and all these things that they sell in our grocery stores, our toothpaste and, and all of our food, is trying to calcify the pineal gland. Because the pineal gland is what opens us up, which I believe uh, the Egyptians used the symbol. I forget what they call the symbol. The eye of Horus. There you go. Yeah. And that symbol is actually, they thought for years was just an eyeball. And we've realized that it's actually the pineal gland, which is in the center of the brain, which releases what's called 5-MeO-DMT. That's the chemical that's released when you're born. At 46 days in conception, they call it the God's touch. This is science. And so DMT is, you know, the spirit molecule, which crosses both lines of spirit and science and religion and science together, brings them together. It's one of the only molecules in the earth that does this. So at 46 days in conception, you get your personality. 5-MeO-DMT is released to the pineal gland. And when you die, 5-MeO-DMT releases from your pineal gland. You enter the spirit world. There's plants here that open the, your pineal gland, not just 5-MeO-DMT, not just DMT, not just LSD or psilocybin or, you know, ayahuasca or mescaline. These things, there's tons of these properties that are all around the world. They grow in all living things. And so just a couple of scientists, I guess if you want to call them, over 3,000 years ago, 4,000 years ago in these crazy civilized, you know, cultures, they found out that they could come up with these concoctions and they can put us into that world. We can walk into the spirit world. We can walk into the plant world, which it's not about demons. It's not about, you know, angels and all that. It's about the communication of the earth, of creativity, of what drives the planet, what pushes seeds to drive through the dirt, what pushes the wind across the earth. That's the energy I communicate with. And it's not lying and it's truthful upon me. And that's why I, I try to tell people. That's pretty amazing. So this is the kind of stuff that you write about in your stories. I know that you write for Greenleaf. We both write for that magazine. And then you also write for, I know, uh, the Highway magazine. Uh, tell us a little about some of the different uh, writing projects and publications you've been involved with. Well, the, f the first one actually was done to Greenleaf magazine, which was your fault years ago. 
Bobby reached out to me to try to write a medicinal mushroom article for High Times, and we're trying to get that going. So he actually stirred up my recent writing articles. Uh, Ed Rosendahl had me do one years ago about you know helping patients, but in Greenleaf Magazine and The Highway, uh, I'm kind of focusing on the visionary healing part. You know, bringing the information to light, not about the psychedelics and the trippy part of the things. I very much respect these plants. I'm not advising people to go out there and start cutting down cactuses and boiling teas. And, you know, I don't request that. I suggest that you seek the advice of of cultures that respect this and use it as a medicine. It's not a recreational thing. And so I try to express that. So in the articles that I write, I I try to, you know, give the respect of it, to to knowledge, like psychedelic mushrooms. I wrote about the first one for Greenleaf Magazine, and it was about not turkey tail mushrooms. I think I wrote about lion's mane mushrooms and uh, cyanescence, which uh, psilocybe cyanescence is a psychedelic mushroom. So I wanted to write about lion's mane because uh, Hernacea mernaceus is the world's first smart mushroom. It can rebuild cognitive connectors in the brain it can actually uh, help with uh, alzheimer's dementia and it's a brain it's the first smart mushroom and so i want to write that in the article because i have a lot of people that are dealing with mental problems mental issues understanding the brain uh brain problems i have a lot of friends with brain cancer it seems to be coming on a lot lately and so i wanted to help brain support and i wanted to put the information down and to understand that it tastes like a lobster it really tastes really good. And I mean, I'm vegan, and so finding these mushrooms and they taste really good is really a plus. But to find out the medicinal values that they have, you know, polysaccharides and beta-glutens that are positive proteins and sugars that attack cancers and, and natural killer cells in your body, and they build your lymphocytes, which lymphocytes are white white cells. They're, they, they're the support system for your immunity. So when you get cancer or you get chemotherapy and you start taking these things, they kill all of your good viruses in your body. And so these help build your immunities. They, and so I wanted to teach that to people, that it's not just about taking a psychedelic mushroom and eating an eighth and going on a heroic dose and kissing the sky. That's not really medicinal. I wanted to express in this article that there's a mushroom, has no medicinal value, or tons of medicinal values, no psychedelic values, and it can cure the brain. And then also I wrote the flip side of that story, which was psilocybe cyanescence, the wavy cap, which is one of the strongest psilocybin mushrooms that grows wild in the rainforest. And so I wanted to explain that mushroom and not using a heroic dose of it but microdosing. I, I do microdosing with uh, myself and a couple of patients that have heavy depression that were on Prozac and uh, you know Xanax and we want to help relieve that depression that they're stuck in and microdosing was really a way a helpful tool to get people out of their daily routines. Yeah, microdosing is is a is a term and a practice that seems to be uh, gaining and you know I've been hearing more and more about it over the years. What exactly would you define as a microdose and like how often and how much would a microdose entail? Uh, for myself, when I first got to Washington, I was a little depressed in my situation. I was in the rainforest. I was out of the city. I was in a new area. I've been lived here my whole life, and I left it. So I was in this weird world. So, uh, of course, I, hey, I get some mushrooms or some something heavy and go on a trip. But then I started thinking about, well, how about if I just took a little bit of this? So I took a quarter gram. I grinded it up, and I put it in a capsule, and I took a quarter gram every four hours. And it was enough to boost my morale and change my direction. So routine is the depression. You get up, you take your right foot off the bed, you use the bathroom, you do this routine every single day. And in that routine, you build a depression because there's no new change in your life. Even though people hate change, they need change because change is is a new creation. You create something new. When you're stuck in the world of constant, tons of depression builds. And myself, I started to seek other advice. I started to look for other things. The rainforest started to wake up. I started to get intrigued with other things. But before I started taking the quarter gram, none of these things ever showed themselves. There was no light. I couldn't find anything. I was stuck in the same routine of I miss where I used to be. You miss what I used to know. Change isn't, I don't like change. Well, when I started microdosing, quarter gram, and these were cubensis and cyanescence, I was mixing them, and uh, I was able to take them. And it really released my, my pressures of anxiety that were that were on my back of how come things aren't the way I would like them to be. It lifted that. It wasn't enough to have tracers or to, you know, see leprechauns jumping out of the sky. It was nothing. I mean, I've never seen anything like that on any of the psychedelics anyways, but... It wasn't that intense. It wasn't a heroic dose. I didn't get the heavy heat anxiety and the panic attack or the disconnection of communication with people and things. So what do you, what do you feel with a microdose? 
usually once you get going, you don't even realize you took it. So you, you just notice that things have just went different. You had a better day. And so I started taking them at night when I went to bed and I wanted to encourage better dreaming. And it did. It actually gave me, put me to sleep pretty good. It's just, you wake up in the middle of the night to use the restroom and you're in this like Tron world and it's kind of cool. <laughs> so I, I, I kind of, that's, that's kind of the plus for me on that. But yeah, uh, a quarter gram was something that I started with personally. I was very comfortable in it. I was going to admit it. I was depressed. And I needed to get through it. I was also having a couple of friends around me and, and my family that was going through the same thing. And with a very low dose, most people eat about an eighth, two grams when they eat mushrooms because they're going for a party. They go to a rave, they eat an eighth of mushrooms, and they go freak out in the concert. I mean, it's understandable. I've done this shit a whole bunch of times. But this was medicine. This was the same thing I was trying to respect it, like cannabis. I couldn't give a dab to an 85-year-old woman that's never smoked cannabis before. So why am I going to take a heroic dose of psychedelics when I'm not, I'm in a very fragile stage of my life and I can't put myself in a psychiatric ward. I got to make sure I'm okay tomorrow to pay my bills to support my family. So in that, I'll take a couple of mushrooms, grind them up and add the pills I use. Once you fill them up, they're a quarter gram. And that was comfortable for me to, to take them. Plus I wasn't chewing on mushrooms. I can't stand the taste of them. Yeah. I don't. <laughs> the teas hit me too fast and hard. So it was another way of consuming it. And I mean, I, I've made mushroom teas for people with feeding tubes. We've poured it down their feeding tube and I've helped people with cancer. And, and you know, there's a great documentary out called The New Understanding. And that movie just breaks it down heavily on how psychedelic mushrooms, psilocybin can help PTSD patients that are about to pass with terminal illnesses like Crohn's and cancers. And, and they're afraid to die and the anxiety that comes on because of that, you know, we're all terminal. So the sooner that we can understand that, respect that, and give love to the time that we have right now, that's what these microdoses were able to do. It wasn't this heavy trip where we're like, fuck, I don't need to do that again. Right on. I remember back uh, years ago when I, when I was working at High Times and uh, Jack Herr had his stroke uh, and he was uh, incapacitated for quite a while. He couldn't speak. He, he could barely walk and he had a, he had a lot of uh, issues. But at some point he had, you know, began to recover. And I remember the first time he came to visit us in the office after he had the stroke, he had come to New York and we were all real excited to see him, you know, and, and he came up and, you know, everybody hugged him and we went out and back for a little session or whatever. And that's when I first heard the term microdosing. He told us, he told me that he was taking little bits of mushroom every day, Amanita muscaria, and that they were helping rebuild his brain and helping him be able to speak again and do these things again. And he swore by it. He said it was, you know, the only reason he was able to be up and around and doing what he was doing. And that was the first time I heard about it. And I remember it really left a very deep impression on me, like thinking like if I was ever in a situation like this, this is something I would want to try for sure. Yeah, and that's one of the things I actually wrote in one of the articles. I think uh, the turkey tail, which I think I call Cancer's Fungal Foe, that was the second article I wrote about for uh, Greenleaf. I believe in that I talk about uh, psilocybe azorescence, which are the world's strongest uh, psilocybin mushrooms. And those are found uh, like in the harsh, rough coasts of Oregon and Washington. And uh, Paul Stamets named that mushroom, found that mushroom. And in the research that I wrote that because I know that I know the Hare family really well. I work with them with their hemp farms. I work with Dan Hare really close. He's a really great, great friend of mine. A friend of the show, formerly, uh -huh. was on, on our show last year. Nice. Yeah. yeah, he's a good family to me. And so uh, one of his things was before his father passed was that we spoke about that and that his father's mushroom book, unfortunately, I don't. I hope one day it can be re-edited and finally put out to press. And it would be an amazing book, just like The Emperor Wears No Clothes. But uh, yes, he was taking a gram to a gram and a half, uh, took a couple of different types of psilocybin, and they believe within six to eight months, he got his speech back. He was able to talk, and that's what kept Jack here communicating on stage for another few years for us. And so that, with the research of that, we realized that uh, when you open up neuroconnectors in the brain, you can rebuild a lot of parts of the brain. You can't build it all, but we do know that there needs to be support in Certain psychedelics do this. Uh, the alkaloids, psilocybin, mescaline, um, ayahuasca, ibogaine, you know, all these plants are, are very, very much delicate to us as humans. They're our healing plants. You take ibogaine, it lasts four months in your body. People get off of nicotine and alcoholism with it and PTSD, and that comes from Africa. Why do these plants come from the most rural parts of the world, the most wildest parts of the world? Just like cannabis, I always say this analogy. If today, Scientists found the rainforest. We didn't know nothing about cannabis. They found the rainforest today and they found it. They would hail it for all of its healing properties of what it can do for the nations, for the people, for the planet. Unfortunately, 
Because in 1914, in Harry Anslinger in 1937, we have this heavy, heavy burden on cannabis and plants in general because they're afraid of that lying world of hallucinogen that they go into. When when we can stop looking at it as a hallucination, hallucination, why don't we look at it as a creativity thought from our internal mind? We are creating that out of our own mind. The tool that brought it out isn't an evil thing. We must respect it. We must treat it with love and compassion. As humans, we're overindulgers and we're selfish people. And so, you know, we have alcoholics. We have nicotine fits. We have caffeine freaks. We have kids that are hooked on sugar by the time they're two. You know, they don't know how to say mom and dad, but they know how to say candy. Society wants to say when they don't know something that it's bad and really kill it and shoot it down and put it in a corner and blacken it out. But to be honest with you, if the right communicators came out and expressed on how these things worked and how they work for you, how they work for me, and how to start small and to smart really low and build yourself up. You know, I deal with a lot of people that are on opiates that I get off of heroin or Norcos or Vicodin. And the first thing they tell me is, oh, I need more than that 500 milligram syringe of NHO because I have a heavy tolerance. I tell them, you have a heavy tolerance to pharmaceuticals and opiates. You have a zero tolerance to cannabis. You give them 10 milligrams of, of THC and they walk through a psychedelic world. They hallucinate. They freak out. They get weak. They get panicked. And they tell me, wow, that was only 10 milligrams? I'll lie to them sometimes. I'm going to give you 100 milligrams in. They tell me, I, I have a heavy tolerance. All right, here's a 100 milligram capsule. And then they call me the next day and tell me, I have nothing's ever worked that good. And I explain to them, that was only 10 milligrams of THC. <laughs> you know, you have a heavy tolerance for, you know, the social things that are out. But cannabis, this is a different drive of the medicine. The plants can communicate with us different if we just have the respect for it and listen to it. You know, that of course, you can take a dab and get fucked up and not walk off the couch. Take a gram dab. You ain't going to walk for a couple of hours. <laughs> That's not really medicinal for somebody with liver cancer, lung cancer, or, you know, asthma, or somebody that's, you know, compromised health, doesn't do a lot of hiking, doesn't do it, their heart can't handle that kind of strain. But we can give them a 10 milligram capsule, 20 milligram capsule, and you can go to your day. I tell a lot of people, you're at work, you run outside, you take a hit of your vape pen, you take a hit of your joint or your bong, and you're not really taking a full hit like you do when you're at home. It's a little bit just to get you by the next three hours of work to your lunch. That's a microdose. Right. That's what I produce in my products. Right. Cannabis is also a type of psychedelic, and it helps a lot with that. So just microdosing with cannabis, if you have a medical card and you're not – and, you know, I go talk to people that are in 60s, and I tell, tell them, hey, you need to take this lion's mane mushroom. And they're like, no, I haven't done this since college. What the fuck is wrong with you, kid? Like, no, 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 I'm <laughs> trying to put you on a trip, man. This is a different – this is different. And so the more we can explain these things and, and, you know, psychedelics aren't for everybody. You know, I've had some people that were, you know, in some heavy mental places that – it did not help them. And so we, as all things, I'm a mechanic by trade, and I do believe that if you don't turn the screw every few oftens, you're not going to know if it's tight or it's loose. So we unfortunately unrattled some some nuts and some people, and, and they got a little shaken, and they don't want to get back in and stir it up and see if they can fix it. Uh, you know, sometimes you take things apart to fix it on a bench to put it back on the vehicle. And so I believe some of these people are on the bench and they need to get put back on the vehicle. And they're afraid because of that jump, because of where they went. You know, ayahuasca and, and certain things like that really get internal with you. You make you deal with the, you know, post-traumatic life disorder, I call it. Not stress disorder, it's life disorder. It makes you go into there and, and confront those situations so that you can make sure that you're a better person tomorrow. And you don't relive that history again or give it to somebody else. Yeah. We got to take another break, but we'll be right back with more with Eddie Funkster. Stay tuned. All right, and we are back once again here on Blazing with our guest Eddie Funkster. So, as we mentioned uh, in the when I introduced you, you work with Chalice, and you've worked with Hitman and Doug uh, in a peripheral way for a long time. Tell me, how did you meet Doug, and how did you get involved with with his enterprises? I met Doug at the CK Glass Show. Jerome Baker had a show called the CK Glass Show, and that was in Santa Monica years ago. It was about 2011, 2012 or something. I met Doug before that at a couple of cannabis cups, but he was kind of hard to get his attention of. He's a really innovative person that's got a lot of energy flying all over the place. So <laughs> we were uh, conversating then, but uh, Amsterdam Cannabis Cup 2012 was the initial, I'm Eddie. Doug's like, you're Eddie. This is what's going to happen. You're jumping on the fucking plane. You're taking this pipe. It's a torch tube. It's MF Doom's face. And I've never flown on a plane before. It's my first flight. And he's like, you're the last one left in the States to get this shit to the Cannabis Cup to win a fucking cup if we can. 
So you're going to take it and it needs to get there. And I was like, dude, I've never flown on a plane. What did I tell TSA? I'm carrying a fucking bong. He's like, it's a piece of art and you made it and you get that shit there. And you give it to Bobby Black. I don't give a fuck. You don't give it to nobody but Bobby. I was like, all right, man. <laughs> no problem. He goes, you get that shit done. We're solid. I got that shit done. Landed in the plane. The LAX was hilarious. The TSA guy, uh, when it went through the scanner, he stopped the image and he flipped it around because it was upside down. And he seen that it was a mask. And he was like, that's really cool, man. That's really, <laughs> really cool. Have a good flight. And I, I went on the plane, no problem. Uh, connecting flight in Philadelphia. They didn't even search me. So I was able to, I sat with this, you know, $20,000 pipe on my lap. You know, this is going to win a trophy, which Hitman already had a few for. So I was uh, determined. Yeah. I was driven. So we land at Schiphol Airport, and I take a taxi down to Town Square, and the taxi can't go any farther. They drop us off right at the beginning. Of the, we can't even get to the Central Station because there's a Sinterklaas parade going on. Ah, the Sinterklaas parade. So American, first uh, fresh out of the water, coming first time in Europe, lands in Amsterdam, uh, carrying this expensive pipe, and there's this uh, pretty unique parade going on uh, <laughs> uh short they beat was pretty cool uh, yeah. i really like Claus. it was a, a amazing cultural experience for me to land into carrying this freaking pipe all over amsterdam streets so i'm walking down blomgrach i'm running down all these streets trying to get to where the heck is the temple at where's the cannabis cup and so i'm carrying this thing and so i, I finally uh we get to the cannabis cup and they're like hey uh, show them the pipe and they're like give it to me i said i'm not allowed to give this to anybody nico and ba and, and danko and all that we're like, right, just give me the pipe i was like i gotta give this to Bobby and Jen goes, uh, I'm going to give you the address, how to get there, and I'll get you there. So I get to Bobby, walk in, and I think it's the first time we, I mean, we've met a couple of times, but that was the first. I'm in your presence. We had to deal with each other. Yeah. And I said, I have to give this pipe to you. Doug said to give this to nobody but you, and the job is done. I gave you the pipe. I was very relieved. I can leave now. It was in your hands. <laughs> and we won third place that year. We entered it with DNA Genetics. Uh, we won third place, and I got to let Wheezy bring it home. Because I wasn't going to carry it back because it was dirty. Yeah, I, I always thought it should have won first place. And uh, I remember and w- when they busted it out at the DNA booth, we took a lot of fun photos uh, <laughs> of which have been floating around on the internet. There's there's one particular shot of me where I made some really like bug-eyed, funny eyes uh, with the mask because, you know, it's such a complicated uh, piece. It's, it, it you know, it obscures your whole face. And I said, no, you know, you're not even able to see me behind this mask. I said, so I want my eyes to be able to be seen. So I'm going to like really bug them out. And it turned out so funny. And it's been kind of, you know, still floating around even this this past year. That picture has been kind of resurfacing, and it's it's just a funny picture. It was a great experience, and uh, smoking out of that thing was a trip. It, it, is, it still has me trying to get out of the shot. I'm still trying to get out of the shot. I was like, I'll try not to photobomb the shot. And I was going to go in high times. Is Bobby taking a hit out of the mask? I got to get out of the shot. And it's still, you can still see me trying to get out of the way in the picture. <laughs> yeah. And it's, you know, that's funny because uh, my first time on a plane was to Amsterdam for the Cup, too, many right. years before, of course. But uh, yeah, it's uh, it was a trip, man. The old the old Cups in Amsterdam, there'll never be another experience like that. It was it was a unique thing. It sure was. And so after that, we got back, had the third place trophy. Uh, the wheels started turning. Uh, Doug's van had a problem. I'm a mechanic. Got to, got jiggy. Started working on his on his van, and you know Doug used to live like uh, like literally eight houses from Snoop Dogg. So I'd, I'd be working on his car, and Snoop Dogg would you know I never honked or nothing, but it had to be pretty a uh, surreal experience when you got some dude doing your brakes in the front of you know these like multi million dollar mansions on this block, and <laughs> and he got me out there doing it. We're taking dabs in the front, smoking joints. So I, I'm pretty sure Snoop wanted to get out and see what's up. Which he met Doug later <laughs> around the same time. So it was pretty funny that he was like, "Oh, you live down the street from me." That was the hit mansion at the time, but now yeah. we've changed locations. We're in the San Fernando Valley now. But yeah, that was the beginning of the whole role with Doug. He seen that I was determined, dedicated. Uh, we did a couple of glass shows with him. I love the brand. I like the pipes. You know, torch tubes were an amazing concept. It was Doug has always been very inspirational. Has always left me in a position to handle my piece and represent the company very well because I've, I've been around for a lot of stuff. And then uh, it just kind of evolved itself into that. You know, seven ten cup when he came up with that idea, we we're just sitting on the couch bullshitting. He's like, I'm throwing a festival on seven ten weekend and. He calls grassroots and he starts doing his ball rolling and sure shit. There's a two-year festival in Denver called 710 Cup. Like, fuck, Doug, you get down. And then uh, we shifted gears and we're like, you know what? This needs to be in Southern California. Doug's like, I'm tired of leaving for seven. I want to be home. I live here. We're throwing Chalice, which Chalice was actually a fucking pipe dream. Years before even the festival in 710, Doug was like, Chalice. I love the word Chalice. I want to I make 
pipes that are like respecting Rasta culture in Jamaica. Like, let's, let's go to Jamaica. Let's look at all the pipes we sell on the streets and let's replicate them in glass. Let's get banjo. Let's get Mr. Gray. Let's get, you know, let's get the heads to make these pieces and it'll be called chalice. And but Hitman Glass was making torch tubes, doing innovative collabs, and yeah, it was too much for him to just grab a hold of. And so JP, well, the designer of does all of our art stuff for for chalice. He uh, for Hitman. Doug put him to work. Make a logo. Need a chalice logo. Put the, so when he designed the chalice, we're looking at the at the mug at the cup, and Doug immediately saw two faces embracing for sure, a kiss. Sure, it's a classic visual, uh, you know, yeah. optical illusion. And he f- fell for it, and he was like, "That's chalice. That's it. That's the logo." Two years later, you know, three. I was actually about three years later. It was like, "Hey, we're gonna throw a chalice festival, uh, hash glass art and music. We're gonna do this year one. We're gonna have less clay pole." E40. And I was like, you're fucking crazy. We got four months to do this. He's all, let's do this. <laughs> that was Chalice One. And it's been since, man. It's been much. steadily evolving ever since. Uh, last year was the first time I got to go because uh, when I worked at High Times, I really didn't have the opportunity to go. Uh, I got to go last year and it was amazing. I had such a good time and uh, I'm really looking forward to this year. Uh, I'm sure you guys have some real exciting stuff planned for, for this July. Oh, I wish I could talk about it, but man, that's, <laughs> but, it's, whew, you got to be there. We have some really cool things in store, the lineup, the sound, the, the vendors and the arts. The main thing that we wanted to do with Chalice was provide an experience. We felt like a lot of these cannabis expos and shows and cups and things were just lacking the experience. You know, getting high is, is all fun and good, but where is the experience? Music brings the experience. Music is a soundtrack. We've learned that, you know, in our research that if we can provide a good soundtrack with good vibes... It's it's a wonderful experience. We were known as the largest hash festival in the world. We were able to, you know, as broadcast as a hash festival and have a competition, which our competition, you know, stirred up a bunch of shit because we test all of our products before we give them to our judges. So if you disqualify for pesticides, molds, mildews, or, or you know, residual solvents, you, our judges don't get that in their package. You know, I just received a package from a recent event and there's over 60 something entries in them and till to this day it's been a few weeks we still don't know which ones you know are high in pesticides mold and mildews and you know all these things and so how many judges are getting through they all call it cup cough i started calling it the mold cough after we got <laughs> all of our residual solvent tests back well i know as when i worked at high times working on the competition that it, it uh, most of the time it was really hard for labs to turn around the results that quickly i mean they only have like a week at most uh, maybe you know even a little week and a half at most to to turn around the results and when you have that many entries it's just that hard it's just super hard to get all those results in before the judges start yeah we had 160 something entries the first year i think this year i don't know well we just barely started intake a few days ago of may 1st we're starting uh intake till i believe may 26th so we're in the show's not till july so that's where we we had to put it on to the farmers the production makers the businesses and the companies that want to enter these shows is that uh we have to have adequate time for testing if we don't have adequate time for testing, which uh, SC Labs, who we use, said we need a month to you know test this many, we have a lot of entries that come through, you know, and so they said if you want to have these tested and done, we have to have them done. They need to be done by June fifteenth. So there's a lot of entries that aren't going to come in until May twenty sixth, like hashes and stuff. It, it's not a bother if the judge gets an old sample; it's a clean sample. And that's what's more important is a clean sample because if you're going to actually judge something, we care about our judges. We respect our judges here. We feel that those judges have tried the best, the best, know the best, or are the best. And so we want to give them a product that we feel secure about that they can judge the next event at and feel comfortable with it knowing that these companies passed inspection. These companies are trying. They are pushing the envelope forward. You know, testing was has been around forever, but now that we have it, and states like Colorado, Washington, and Oregon are initializing it into the regulation, recreational and, and laws, we felt like here that if a company wants to be in California, a relevant company when recreation comes or legalization hits, they have to fall within the standards. And if you don't start now, you're never going to pick those pieces up later. So you have to understand it now. If you can get the sciences done now before the licenses licenses fall into your hand, you'll be a way more respected company with a lot more relevance that we need. Right on. Yeah, you know, uh, Doug invited me to be a judge last year, but because of other commitments, I wasn't able to do it. And I was really bummed about it, but uh, I would love to still love to be a judge for Chalice some, sometime. So, Dougie, if you're listening, uh, you have my number. <laughs> yeah. yeah, me too. I need to be a judge again. <laughs> Eddie, tell us uh, where can people find uh, all your uh, great native healing oil products if they need the help that you're offering? 
I believe that uh, Weed Maps is starting to put this uh, branding thing on their page where you can go on to weedmaps.com. I mean, I'm not really associated with them in any way, shape, or form, but I mean, it's a great source of information and, to, and directory to find things and places. And so they have a brands page now, and we're working on uh, loading that up soon where you go on there, you click on my logo, and it shows all the stores in the state of California where the product is available at. Um, right now, we're mostly with uh, rehab deliveries in the high desert, uh, Think Plant in San Bernardino. Uh, the Trap House in San Bernardino, um, a couple of collective places in Los Angeles. I'm sorry I don't have the names of them. There's about seven or eight of them. But to be honest, most of our stuff is by word of mouth. I do some of the conventions and shows. Uh, we're in the Dabarindo Apples from Kushites. Uh, it's a great company. It makes these delicious apples, and the candy apples are really good, and they use the NHL product in that. Uh, we're in a couple of lotions and salve companies. And uh, so we're, we're kind of just uh, – I'm a kind of more behind-the-scenes guy – it's kind of really hard to find my products, but I'm really easy to get a hold of if you need them. If you're in the state of California, really easy. And how do people find you guys online? Uh, Funksta West Coast, F-U-N-X-T-A, westcoast.com. Uh, Native Healing Oils, is, there's also a .com, nativehealingoils.com. Thunderranchcollective.com. Uh, Instagram, I'm known as Funksta, F-U-N-X-T-A. We're working on a Native Healing Oils Instagram. I'm really not on that too much. I have a personal page on Facebook that I transmit all this information on a public forum i don't it's kind of hard to accept all the friend requests that i have on there and i mostly leave all my posts public of you know the healing with the, a lot of cancer and aids patients and going into hospitals and helping hospice all that information is pretty much on there you can go on those pages and find the that stuff and you can easily email me at eddiefunksta at gmail.com it's really hard to get through all the messages and get personal with people the information is on the websites we're getting more updated information on the websites um, it's hard. I, I grow the product. I make the product. I distribute the product. I package the product. So I'm pretty extensively busy. Um, I try to squeeze everybody in like I can. But tell your shops that you need it. Contact us. We can't make enough for everybody. So if you're a company out there and you want to innovatively make some of these products, I'm, I'm here for consulting. Uh, more people can make these. I can't make enough for the people. There's enough money. There's enough humans. And there's enough inspiration from people to make these products. I would just like to – I don't make the best or, or I, I just try my best. So in that, I would like to come across that information for people that are going to try to make these things. Uh, we can help with oils or research with the oils um, for over 25 years, breeding and making genetics and understanding how they break down and – and and learning where they go, I, I do want to help these products be produced in a more local fashion for everybody so they don't have to seek my brand. It's cannabis that's the seeker. That's the convenience. It's cannabis. It's not Funksta West Coast. It's not Native Healing Oils. It's cannabis. The more that we can make that available with understanding and respect and products for people, that's who's going to win. I'm not trying to win shit. I just want to <laughs> be there. Right on, man. Well, Eddie, thanks so much for taking time to come over and talk with us today. Uh, it's been real educational. And uh, we look forward to uh, reading more of your work in Highway Magazine and in Greenleaf Magazine. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Much love, Bobby. You're listening to Blazin' with Bobby Black on Cannabis Radio. This is Bobby Black, host of Blazin', here to talk to you about 420 Science. I've known Matt and Gary from 420 Science for over a decade. We've spent a lot of time together at the Cannabis Cups in Amsterdam, the Doobie Awards in their hometown of Austin. They were even at my wedding. And I've always admired their integrity and how they've built 420 Science from the ground up to become the most trusted online head shop. Visit 420science.com slash podcast for an exclusive deal on pipes and more from genuine people who put their customers first. That's 420science.com slash podcast. The smoke is rising, and the next crop of podcasts devoted to cannabis providers and enthusiasts are ready to be harvested. Welcome to the Cannabis Radio Network, founded by respected rainmakers who have been producing award-winning podcasts for over a decade. Industry headlines, business updates, medical reports, marketing, and e-commerce education rolled up perfectly for your consumption. Let's grow together. The Cannabis Radio Network. CannabisRadio.com. Ignite the conversation on some trending topics along the Cannabis Radio social media network. Join our crew of thousands on our Cannabis Radio page on Facebook or at Canna Radio, C-A-N-N-A Radio on Twitter. 
Plus, look for our Facebook and Google Plus pages for all of our original programs and connect with Dr. Dina, Kyle Cushman, Dr. Mitch Earlywine, Nurse Heather, Doc Rob, the host of Gondrepreneur, and more. Connect with the growing cannabis radio social crusade at Canna Radio on Twitter or search for Cannabis Radio on Facebook, Google Plus, and Instagram and grow with us. All right, well, that was really great having uh, Eddie here in the studio with me. Uh, he's a very cool guy. Uh, we've grown close over the years, uh, and uh, it's just a pleasure to have him on. And he's so knowledgeable about uh, all these uh, plants and uh, psychedelics. Uh, so it's really always educational talking to him. I encourage you guys all to check out his articles in Greenleaf and in Highway Magazine. Um, and uh, also there will be links to all the stuff we discussed today, including the links to his product line on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash blazing with Bobby Black. Also, if you have a product you would like us to review or you'd like some information about how to advertise with us, you can also find that on our Facebook page. Uh, and be sure to follow me on social media, Twitter at Bobby Black, uh, Facebook and Instagram at Bobby Black 420. And that's going to wrap it up for the show this week. I want to thank you all for tuning in and talking up with us again. Uh, it's been great being with you, and we look forward to seeing you again next week. Until then, this is Bobby Black saying blazon and peace off. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited.